0: Left. Right. Hey, thank you for joining us today. I think you're really going to find some introspective conversation here. This is a really interesting topic given it's 2020. It gets a little deep. Fill me in, in the comments what you're thinking. Don't forget, you got to like, you got to subscribe, you got to share this podcast for this to perpetuate, for us to keep going. We need the exposure. We need your involvement. So please, please, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing. And as always, I appreciate you. I appreciate those of you who are. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. It's <laughs> Cheers. 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 We are live episodes of Sip Talk number 37. Again, we're, we're still cruising. I like that. Uh, James couldn't be here for the last episode. We had a stand in, the renowned Rosh Galeb. Um, but today we have philosopher, accountant, professional bartender, and referee, James the Bosnator Boswell. oh and today's going to be more
1: of a philosophical episode, too.
0: Today is going to be a, a really cool episode. We're going to. Do you want to... I'll, I'll let you uh, let you
1: introduce the topic here. Well, I think recent events have really brought this to the forefront as well. But uh, today's topic is just going to be the general question of, does anything matter anymore? And I think that there's been a real resurgence of kind of existential, existential dread. And also popularization of existential philosophy out there right now and people uh, just looking at anything that's happened in the world especially in the last one year to four years looking at and say what 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 does it matter what i do like things kind of just go to crap regardless of my actions so why does it matter
0: well sure that's an argument (laughs) against voting by the way
1: well there's an argument against a lot of things but it's just a general attitude i've seen kind of an an uptick in people feeling like nothing
0: matters um real quick because this is important does anything really matter anymore what are you drinking i am
1: drinking milwaukee's best ice
0: for some reason that matters a lot to me i'm always really curious what you're drinking down there and i guarantee it's not cold
1: uh this time it is not no um but for the next episode, I'll probably work on coming up with some kind of a fun cocktail. I just didn't really have the time for it. This week has been in the office. We've been super slammed because, um, partnership and S corporation returns are due on Tuesday. And we had a short week this week and it feels like a lot of us all kind of put off a whole bunch of these business returns until this week. So we've all been scrambling myself
0: included. I can imagine. Well, you probably will need a good cocktail this week.
1: Oh uh, yeah. Cause next week our, our episode will be on Tuesday and that'll be the deadline day. So I've been all been working hard that day and a well-earned cocktail is, is going to be my reward.
0: Right, you guys tell us what you want us to be drinking. Then I see somebody on. TikTok drinking, you know, noir. It's tough when you guys go cross platform. Cause I really lose track of who's who, uh, but I'm glad you guys are watching. I'd love for you guys to chime in. Um, as to what really matters these days. Does anything really matter these days? I have a theory on this. I uh, I gave it a little thought. I read a couple of articles today, New York Times article, um, some other political articles I skimmed through. But my initial thinking, when we started talking about this topic, what does anything really matter now, is that right now it feels like everything matters. So things that don't affect you matter because they're in your face all the time when you have so much just constant just this barrage of media about everything that's going on you instantly assume it all applies to you and i was trying to explain to somebody were you were you uh, were you at tamarack during 9 11. yeah yeah i remember that day really clearly i remember i remember it really clearly too, in the, in the days following that because i think school we got out early and school was closed to no
1: no we, we we were still in school but our, so it happened i remember at the time our principal had a habit of just like making announcements to the entire school that everyone would ignore and so i remember her coming on the uh, over the pa at somewhere around like ten fifteen in the morning and she starts off making the announcement and like we all just kind of like, oh great, another one of these. And then like she says something about some kind of event happening in New York City and like her tone was different. So we all kind of tuned in a little bit and then we all started watching the news. And I remember I had one class where the the teacher tried to focus on whatever the topic that we were supposed to be working on was And just nobody was paying attention. Most classes, it was just like the teacher would bring a TV and plug it in and we would just watch the news and just kind of be blown away. And the thing that really strikes me about that day is for for those of you who didn't live in New York at the time, and I'm not talking about New York City, I'm talking about the general state, but New York City and also upstate New York, it was September 11th, so it was early fall. And I just remember that the weather that day was absolutely gorgeous it was like partly cloudy but like mostly sunny and probably about 75 to 80 degrees with a light breeze it was just a gorgeous fall day and then this horrible thing happens and it was just really hard to process just the the juxtaposition
0: it should, there. Yeah, it should, should happen on, on days with bad weather right that should just be how it works I feel like
1: but no i remember we we had to go to school the next day like nothing really got canceled but for also for people who aren't from new york um a lot of people in albany will commute to new york city um and so pretty much everybody in the school knew somebody that was in the city and around the world trade center or worked in the world trade center that day so even though we're 150 miles away it still hit us pretty directly well, and it was just the whole day was spent watching the news and sharing stories about the people that we knew. And that was really before cell phones were prevalent.
0: Yeah, but here, here's, it hit me different. I always felt that where we grew up was not a target, not a danger zone, nothing special. It was its own enclave that what was special about it was that it didn't really matter on the world map. It didn't really matter on the national map. It was it was a small town, and nobody really seemed to be concerned with it. So I wasn't worried for safety. No, um, my life didn't change very much as a result of as a result of the planes going to the twin towers. Um, obviously, security changed a lot after that. But I remember it hit me in this weird way, where I instantly categorized it in my brain right next to Pearl Harbor. Something that happened, maybe an uncle, a great uncle, or somebody I know very loosely might have been involved in it, but it didn't really hit me like a big effect on my life. Um, but you,
1: even at the time, you you were well aware that like this is a major event.
0: Major that... event. I felt bad. I was yeah. You know, I had. I was a bit mournful. Um, but but it didn't really affect my life. And I categorized it in a weird place in my mind. And what I wanna get into with does anything really matter anymore? Is that how are you quantifying what matters? I was having a conversation. I was trying to I was trying to find some way to quantify what matters. And now that everything matters in everybody's life, the the you know, I, and I was trying to explain to someone else how do you what is quantifying and I said, you know, this factory makes X number of widgets. This factory makes Y number of widgets. The X and the Y are how we're quantifying the widgets. Widgets aren't really anything that you can grasp in this. Right. Yeah.
1: Widget. Widgets is just an, is a, a placeholder for whatever product a company makes when you're doing oh, an right accounting well. or an economic analysis problem.
0: Exactly. So I was quantifying. I said, well, how much do you give a fuck? If you have 10 fucks to give, how you know how many fucks you give to this issue, and, um, and we got we get into it that way. But I'm, I'd like to know of a, a good way to quantify giving a fuck. Like, I well,
1: don't... I want to respond to you you talking about how everything matters, and so I would I would say if everything matters, then nothing matters because okay. the definition of matters is like some things are more important to you than others. So if everything matters, then everything's on the same footing. And how do you quantify what you care about? Because as you said, if I've only got 10 fucks to give and everything matters, well, I can't give everything one fuck or 10 fucks or whatever. So you you get to the point where you get exhausted and say, you know what? I've been caring about all this kind of stuff and it's not making a difference. You know what? Nothing
0: matters. Well, that's exactly what I said. I said, if everything matters, then nothing matters. And I asked, I asked my assistant, I was giving her a really hard time, like, how much do you care about the starving kids in Japan? And she goes, oh, they're very important to me. I said, OK, you donate or something for them? Uh, and she said, no. I said, well, like, what actions do you take? And she goes, well, no, no. I said, they don't matter to you. She said, no, it's a really important issue for me. And I said, did you think about them today before I mentioned it? And she said, no, but don't get me wrong. I, you know, I said, well, you think about it because I'm bringing it to your attention. And today, when the media is bringing everything to your attention all the time, Everything matters. So, the amount of it, the amount of like uh, matter that you're going to give to it personally is decreasing. You know, if if you, that's why that's why uh, monogamy tends to be the strongest type of relationship. Um, I don't you know, know where
1: you're going with this. I understand I the general concept, but. <laughs>
0: And the more you spread your attention, the more you spread your attention,
1: the thinner it gets. The less valuable it is to each individual.
0: And exactly. So if you're quantifying matters and everything matters, and, and there's so much going on these days that are drawing your attention to them, what do you care about the starving kids in Japan versus the unemployment crisis versus coronavirus? You have to figure out in your life what doesn't matter to you and that I really, that also increases selfishness.
1: Okay, so you're getting really, really close to a core tenet of existentialism. Enlighten me. All right, so for those, for those out there who aren't familiar with existentialism, it, I, I think a brief history of the philosophy is, is important here. So for the longest time, moral philosophy, ethical philosophy, was centered around some kind of a religious basis is why do we do what we do? Well, it's for God, whatever God, it may be. It doesn't matter what religion you're basing this off of a lot of philosophy was based in some concept of God, be it Christian or Muslim or like Hebrew, whatever it was that your fundamental basis of what's the purpose of life. It's to serve God. It's to do what God says. And so at some point, in probably the 17 and 1800s, philosophy started to move away from trying to base its its rationality on God, where you, you'd have kind of naturalistic philosophy, which would talk about, well, what would happen if we remove God? And let me just think about humans in like a really common phrase would be state of nature. So it's like if we remove society, if we remove civilization, what would people be like? And the philosophers came to a variety of different answers. But that was kind of the beginning of trying to look at the purpose of human life in the absence of God. And the problem with, with this is that if you remove God, you look at the history of philosophy, now you don't have a reason for life. You say, well, if it's not God, then what is it? And a lot of people struggled with being able to come up with meaning in their lives without God. And so existentialism is a direct response to the void left behind when you take god out of the equation and the basic tenet of existentialism is existence precedes essence so if you think about it like if you build a refrigerator it's going to have one thing that it can do it makes things on the inside colder and so its design kind of influences what its purpose is so it has an essence of a refrigerator and its existence proceeds from there and so before existentialism, it would be God-designed man. And man has some kind of an essence, and his existence proceeds from there. So essence precedes existence. And so if you remove God, you're removing the essence of man. And so you could say, well, ma- man has no essence. Things are meaningless. And the existentialists had to come back and say, well, we we have a solution for that. And that is existence precedes essence. And that basically that means that whatever you do your actions kind of determine the essence of who you are so to your point about well what are you doing about the starving children in africa if the answer is nothing then that means that that's not important to you um and you can kind of take this in a whole bunch of different ways but one of the ways that i like which i don't necessarily believe in but i think it's an interesting concept is the concept of absolute responsibility so not only are you responsible for yourself and your appearance, your success, your failures, and the people that you directly influence around you, but you are also responsible completely for the state of the world as it is right now. So why are the children starving in Africa? It's because you aren't doing enough to fix it. And the counterpoint would be, well, How can I, like, how can I fix it? And we're like, well, you're obviously not doing enough. It's, you could make it go away if you tried hard enough. And if, and even if you, even if you try and you're not able to solve the problem completely, now you have responsibility for the problem because you're taking action towards it. And if you're not taking action towards it, it's even easier to argue that you have responsibility because, hey, you're not fixing it.
0: Well, that's, Um, that's, that's why I think it's important to decide what doesn't matter to you and not pay attention to it, which is, right. why, which is why I had the reaction that I did during 9-11, is that I realized it didn't impact me that much, and I put it in a weird place in my brain that I'm not cool with. I'm not cool with being, I didn't walk around on 9-11 and say this isn't important to me, right? It, you know, I didn't, and, and that would be a, a really rude thing to say, but because it had very little impact in my life, and then there was people crying around me, left, right, and center, who had never been to New York City, didn't know anybody in New York City. They were reacting way more than I was. I was really curious what they were reacting on. You were 15 at the time. Had you ever
1: been to New York City at age 15?
0: Yeah, I think maybe a couple of times. And very limited, like, Times Square, bus trip type type situations. Not the tour that you get when you come visit.
1: <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was 14, I went on a trip. My mom was a college professor and she taught primarily college freshmen. And so one of the things that she would do as part of this course is they would go on a trip, one or two trips during the course of the year. And so this particular year, she um she took her class down to New York City and went to Ellis Island to talk about immigration and everything. And so She told me, she's like, hey, I'm going on this trip with my college freshman. Like, there's space on the bus. You want to go along? I'm like, sure, why not? So a year before 9-11, I was on like Ellis Island at the Statue of Liberty, which is really close Mm -hmm. to the World Trade Center.
0: Yeah. And I just remember like how huge those buildings were looking at them when when I was 14. When you get to the Statue of Liberty, you realize, fuck, it's not that big. It's big when you're at the
1: no, but the the World Trade Center at the time was way bigger.
0: But oh, when you juxtapose with any building in Manhattan, or even the size of the boat that you're, you know, that you might be coming over on, mm-hmm. uh, it's not that big. And my biggest surprise, I've never been on Ellis Island, but I recently was on the Staten Island Ferry, and I've driven where you can see the Statue of Liberty, and then you can see other things that are kind of equidistant, um, and you just realize how small it really is relative to everything else. But if you were looking at the Statue of Liberty, you're like, fuck, this thing's not that, that big. And then you look over and you look at the, the World Trade Center buildings and you're like, fuck, those are that much further away and they still look bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, you know, but, but being there so recent, you know, uh, to when it happened. So it post- was
1: pretty fresh in my mind, even though it was probably nine or 10 months beforehand.
0: Well, you probably had a much different reaction than mm-hmm. I did.
1: My reaction to it was, and beyond just kind of the visceral reaction of like, this is terrible, and, and seeing all the people dying and just the, the absolute chaos and suffering, beyond the, the gut reaction of knowing that a lot of people suffered horribly, my my first reaction after that was, what are the consequences this of this going to be? I was trying to figure out, because I remember... I think it was in 1999. Everyone knows who Osama bin Laden is now. But I remember at the time I I knew the name because he he perpetrated some attacks on American embassies in Kenya that killed like 200 something people. And I remember thinking when I saw this, I thought this this feels like some kind of terrorism. And the only terrorist that I knew off the top of my head was Osama bin Laden. I remember that day I was like, this is probably going to get tied to him and so Absolutely. what are we going to do i was like we're going to go to war with somebody over this and the question is like what kind of re- response do we have nationally farther down the line and wow. i that was about as far as able i was able to get i i wouldn't have been able to say for sure that it was going to be afghanistan that we picked or iraq eventually i was just like we're going to end up bombing somebody over this i don't know who it's going to be right. and then i thought well after that, what do we do? What? How is this going to change our national approach to things? And right. I didn't have any of the answers. I just had a gut
0: feeling that a
1: lot of things were going to change.
0: But we saw. But we saw. Um, we're old enough to know very well when airports were like pre pre nine eleven, and what rest I hadn't flown far. too much at that point. But yeah, uh,
1: we went, I think we went to Cancun before that. Moment. Oh yeah, we didn't even have to have a passport to get to Mexico.
0: It's just wild. Um, real quick, I just want to say, for, the, for those of you that are watching live, I can see you watching. We got a bit of a different setup. Uh, we're trialing this. Obviously, you're looking kind of crooked at the screen, but it's nice for you guys to be able to see James, the Bosnator Boswell on the other side. If you're watching this, please make sure you comment. I want to know what you guys are drinking. I want to know what you guys are thinking. I want to know what your responses are to what we're talking about. Um, and as always, I, I love that you guys are watching, participating. Um, and I love the conversations that are happening within the chat. That's the one thing that James can't see is the conversations that are happening within the chat. So, well,
1: bring me up to speed on what's going on in chat.
0: Let's respond to some of the people, stuff they have people, to say. Couple people saying hi. We don't have a huge turnout just yet, especially on TikTok. TikTok usually tick, uh, usually picks up pretty quick, uh, but I think this new format, people are kind of tuning in who are new to the show. Oh well, this is a little this is a little uh, a little off. And, uh, and just not quite vibing with it, but you, you know, if people tune in typically and, and the, the camera's on me and you're talking, they have no idea who's there. So I think this is this is way better. People are asking about your library.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a better alternative to what the background could be. It, otherwise it would be my bedroom, which is a touch messy. A
0: touch, touch messy. Jennifer, we do do rentals in Brooklyn. Shoot me a DM. Uh, I'm trying to read the chat. Yeah. Uh, when you guys say something that, that really hits me, um, yeah, you know, everything matters to a degree. Uh, something about a Zoom meeting. But yeah, things matter in different orders. And, and really, I think what we need to get back into is what matters and quantifying what matters. And I tweeted something or I made some post or something in the beginning of the year that went along the lines of I think right now there's so much super exposure to media and social media and text messages i get so overwhelmed throughout the day i don't really get to like self-start and start new things i'm just purely reactive all throughout the day which is really difficult for me i need sometimes to sometimes to chill like i can't write anything when i have constant interruptions and things like that but I was thinking we're going to, at some point, the scale's got a tip where people are like, you know what, I'm off of Facebook, I'm off of Twitter, I'm only Instagram, you know what, I'm, and more like you, which is this is something I really admire with you not being big on social media, is that you're just like person to person, I can't even leave you a voicemail, I don't expect you to listen to it. You haven't even had a voicemail until recent years. So the time's- Yeah,
1: which I actually, my policy is if you leave me a voicemail, I'm not listening to it, I'm just deleting it, I'll call you back.
0: But, but that's, but that's like humans haven't evolved to be able to, we're not fucking we computers in our brains yet to be able to take all this information. I don't remember anything. And anybody who knows me well knows that I don't remember the small details, the details that I don't expect to pop up later. Um, like when I book a flight, I just set a reminder and, and I know, I typically remember the day I'm flying, but I don't know if it's morning, night, I don't know the airline, I don't know the luggage policy. Like I don't know any of this stuff. I'm the same way. If I have like, I'll
1: if I have a flight, I'll know the day, but like the day before or whatever, I'll have to check my email to look at the reminder email and say like, oh yeah, all right, it's at ten o'clock in the morning or whatever.
0: Uh, yeah, but that's that's exactly exactly uh, what I do. I, it, there's no additional utility um, of knowing the stuff in advance. Uh, I just got I just got a comment from from Dylan real quick. this, as someone who grew up very near New York City, but was also too young to interpret it, uh, it plays a giant role in my life because of how much it affects the people around me and my family and community. And that that I think is just the biggest thing for me was watching people react to what was happening. The biggest impact in my life was the people being impacted by it. Not impacting me personally.
1: You know what you know how it actually affects me in a way? So it was probably about two years ago. I had a buddy in Charleston that I used to work with in hotels. And so um he, he's since moved out of Charleston, but he invited me to come over to his place to catch up because I hadn't seen him in a while. And we had a couple beers. And like he he put on he said, I got this interesting movie that you should watch. And I'm like, All right, fine. And it was a movie that was just wall-to-wall conspiracy theories and like i was getting angry watching it because like there were so many things that were just patently wrong with it that (laughs) like the movie would just say something and then brush over the fact that it was completely wrong and then build the rest of its argument on on top of that but whatever the case is there was an entire segment of the movie that was all 9-11 conspiracy theories about how it was an inside job and everything like that and i was getting viscerally angry at it especially since they would be showing video and clips of different things that happened on 9-11 of like the people jumping out of the building because they didn't want to like die in flames they'd rather Die from jumping out the window. I'd and, like, put like, I, a second over dying in
0: flames. Yeah, but
1: it's still it's horrible to
0: watch. A bad decision to make when you have to put your when you're watching that you're like holy fuck you're almost experiencing. Yeah, uh, but like you watch like the, 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 like
1: the thing that really strikes me is like these two people that jumped out at the same time holding hands. Yeah. And like I I remember I got more angry at the nine eleven stuff than anything else because he grew up in west virginia and then south carolina so like he wasn't too close to it he's a little bit younger than me too and i was just like dude i was 15 at the time i knew i knew people that were directly affected by it and like don't don't come at me with that this was an inside job or anything like that like to to make the argument that the government took opportunity afterwards to do certain things you can make but you cannot like i got really angry at the idea that the government would do that to ourselves and yeah it was weird how how much that affected me how angry i got at the person who made this movie to be making these claims
0: yeah well that's the thing so when it just comes to thinking and i think critical thinking is lost on so many people i just and i think you know to a degree we have our schools to blame uh on on that because in terms of prioritizing
1: memorization over analysis
0: yeah the analysis but the critical thinking and the scientific method and things like that are the scientific method should be taught for just that should be taught in in what's that class for you like home or like humanities class um
1: mm, i never took home
0: well, t- <laughs> and it shows I mean, I don't think a, a 12-year-old like Baking Pies has great class, fun class. But I, I, you know, again, uh, I, I don't know necessarily that I think they, they could have taught some better stuff rather than to so, sew. I don't know. Maybe that was good. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Well, that. well, what I'm saying is just is, is critical thinking is, is lost on a lot. And the conspiracy theories and the flat earthers and, and things like that are people who just lack the ability to have critical thinking and a lot of it i blame also religion where where children are indoctr- indoctrinated into the beliefs well into 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 faith and and believing things that haven't been before they're old enough to really be able to think for themselves exactly where you're just told to blindly believe things and not have to think about it and then you apply that to other aspects of your life you apply that thinking methodology to
1: well and also Children will intrinsically trust their parents up to a certain age. Mm-hmm. Children will just naturally believe whatever their parents say, because it's the only thing they've ever known. And so, yeah, the idea that you can take a child as, as young as three or four and start teaching them things. And I'm not going to single out one religion here. I, I, I disagree. with Let's, it across
0: not, the let's, board. Not, let's not share in religion too much. I do believe there's aspects of religion that are good. I'm not telling
1: people not to be religious. I'm saying that it, it might be irresponsible to indoctrinate children at a very young age. I'm just saying both of us have
0: major qualms with individual religions and religion in general. Um, I don't want to get into that too much, but I don't want to shit on religion because I do think there's a lot of great aspects of religion. We're not going to get into that at all. Like, let's just I want to make it clear to anybody who's listening or watching that we're not shitting on religion.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, that, that, that's not my point. But, oh, right. but well yeah the problem with conspiracy theories though is that they're going to be confusing like because it's it's critical thinking but turned in on itself
0: well they're confusing the viewer
1: because th- th- for some conspiracy theories they'll they'll take a look at at an event and then they'll use some form of critical thinking but
0: warp it in such a way well if you're if you're building your premise as you build your premise if some of the foundational blocks aren't solid then we can't ultimately have full faith and full belief in the in kind of what they're trying to prove.
1: Well th- yeah that's that's a very basic tenet of argumentation is that in order to make any kind of assertion the premises upon which it's based all must be true.
0: I think if you're making any if you're moving anywhere in life you're proceeding anywhere in life and you can apply this to many different circumstances whether it's relationships or cooking or business the foundation needs to be the strongest part of anything you move forward of course you know you don't cook and you shop for condiments first like you shop for the main ingredient when you build a house you build the foundation first you know when you're selling you have a product first and it's got to be a solid product um but yeah you know, i think i think i think that's really where conspiracy theories they set this shaky foundation or no foundation at all and they start constructing this house of cards and and they they tell you that they're super glued together
1: right and and, and that's the thing is that they'll take if you've got some series of events or whatever and there's one part of the event that is difficult to explain they'll seize on that and say this one key detail you can't explain and they say if that's a lie then all these other things must be lies so it, there's always going to be some some uncertainty in life and conspiracy theories seize on that uncertainty to draw ridiculous conclusions yeah. whereas more rational people can say there might be some uncertainty about this one part but the body of evidence the vast majority of data point in this direction. It's not reasonable to go in a completely different direction just because we're uncertain about one small part. I
0: I, I, I agree. Um, where are we going with the conspiracy theory thing? You so said you just trying to say you down. And, and, and- oh, so
1: we were talking about 9 11 and how it, how it affected our lives. And, like, every once in a while, like, for the most part, it doesn't really affect my life. But every once in a while, when it gets thrown in my face, I'm surprised by how I react to it.
0: OK, well, you know, I just think I think 9-11 is, is a good um, a good way to gauge when we talk about matters. You know, we still haven't been able to quantify. You know, really, the subject is, does anything matter anymore? And I think a big event like that for someone who lives in. In rural Australia versus someone who lives in New York City versus someone who lives in upstate New York, or in uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania or something, you know. There's there's varying degrees of how they were affected, but for the people that weren't affected, and they, they're saying that it matters so much, sounds like when I talked to my assistant, and she, you know, I was asking, I was grilling her about the starving kids in Japan, and how much it matters.
1: I wasn't aware that Japan had a big problem with starving children.
0: I, I don't necessarily know that it does, but I just you know, the
1: big alpha. well, the, well,
0: the, alpha. the
1: answer. That you kind of were, that yeah. you worked your way very close to, and that existentialism would say is that your actions show to the world what matters to you. So how much time do you spend on various things? And you can look and say, how do you allocate your time and your energy? And that's what matters to you. So you can back into it, which is again, existence precedes essence. What's your exes- what, what does your existence say about you? If Like how much time do you spend volunteering? How much time do you spend working out? How much time do you spend working, spending with friends and family, playing video games or whatever else? How how much of your time is spent on selfish things? How much is spent on unselfish things? And that shows the world what kind of a person you
0: are. So let's quantify matters in time.
1: That's exactly where I would go is what matters to you is determined by what you spend your time on and doing
0: so let me let me throw another spanner in the works what if what if you spend a lot of your time praying for issues um does that mean they then matter a lot to you
1: that's a hard question to answer because i think i i
0: would say i would say if you're busy praying then you believe these matters you're going to devote a half hour praying then to you something matters a lot Given your action is a bit different than someone who is donating to the hungry kids in Japan fund.
1: So the question there,
0: or uh, one more thing, let me just give you another example. Someone who maybe goes on, a uh, uh, again, I was harassing my sister. I was doing it jokingly, but I'm like, well, what if you, uh, you know, she said she's going to get dinner and she brought food with her. I'm like, well, what if you threw everything away that wasn't rice and just ate the rice in protest? Of the starving kids in Japan.
1: Yeah, that, instead of spending twenty dollars on a meal, what if you spent five and donated
0: that fifteen dollars? Or just, or what I'm saying is, in in akin to praying, took a certain action, like, you know, not eating meat or something like. That.
1: Yeah. So my question there, if and this is this is kind of a dangerous avenue to go down, but I would say, what does prayer do? Is and 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 this is going to depend on who you ask. So some people are going to say prayer has a direct effect on things. Other people aren't. So you're going to get different answers depending on who you ask in terms of if you spend 30 minutes praying versus 30 minutes volunteering somewhere. Some people would argue that the prayer has a meaningful effect on, it, on, on those who you're praying for. Other people wouldn't. So I don't have an answer there. Like, but we're still, I'd rather not give my
0: personal opinion. We're still quantifying in, in time. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're quantifying importance in one's life by time spent on dealing with this topic whether they're spinning their wheels and doing nothing or whether they're actually making a dent in it um, the, but and I, that's you know the appearance of what matters versus the perception personal perception of what matters
1: but also with with the with the the general feeling that everything matters right now and everything is urgent and everything's a huge event or whatever you'll get this kind of overload where People feel like they can't make any change whatsoever. And so it's, there are too many problems for me to solve. Therefore, I'm not going to try and tackle any of them because it, the world, it's overwhelming.
0: Yeah, but that's, yeah, it's, it's very overwhelming. That's and that's why. Listening to unless you're spending if depending on how much time you spend listening to and consuming information about what's happening, um, you know, if you're not doing anything about it, it really it, it can't matter that much to you. Or you need to reshape your priorities and actually take some action. Going home and watching a Netflix documentary on conspiracy theories and then saying that those things matter a lot to you doesn't necessarily give you any clout when it comes to other people's perceptions.
1: But again, what what actions are you taking to affect the change that you desire?
0: Um, Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: It's like, for example, my my roommate, who I'm gonna have to kind of crap on a little bit here. But one of the things that I know, he says matters to him, is he would very much like to be in a relationship. And what I tell him is, then you need to work on yourself here. Here are some of the things that are probably making you less appealing to date. And I'm really, I'm really doctoring my language here too. <laughs>
0: well, I think, yeah, of course.
1: But I say, here are some of the things that you probably should work on if you want to make yourself
0: more appealing
1: to be as a partner. And if you're not working on those, then finding a partner, like being in a relationship must not be that important to you because you're not actively taking the steps to, to seek out a relationship. And, and I know that in my own life, any time that like, I've wanted to find a relationship or whatever, my ability to find a relationship is a direct, directly correlates to how much work am I putting in to try and find one. And how much work am I putting in to make myself more appealing as a partner? I think the less work I put in, the less likely I am to find someone that wants to be with me.
0: You know, I, think, I think that's, that's very accurate. Um, I just want to go, get back in this vein of critical thinking. And I get a lot of flack from people because uh, I don't know what your health insurance situation is right now. I went a long, long time without having health insurance. So, I've had to kind of self-diagnose certain issues, and I don't just pull up WebMD and and you know say, oh, ache in the shoulder. Now I have cancer. Yeah, it's probably shoulder cancer, which is very Um <laughs> uh, But I feel like that's what most people do, or at least that's what most people believe other people do. Um, but what I, you know, if I had a pain in my shoulder, what I would do is I would figure out exactly where the pain is. I'd figure out what you know when. The pain comes into play. And now I'd look at a skeletal muscular ligament, you know, try to figure out exactly where that is in the shoulder and I have a pretty good idea. And then I would look up and it's it's likely going to be, you know, I could probably narrow it down to two or three things. And then I would look at what treatment there is. If surgery is the number one, then I'd say maybe I need surgery. But if you know, resting it or not throwing baseballs or not throwing footballs or not lifting in a certain motion is the therapy for it. And I would just follow that therapy. And chances are, it's going to be the same therapy for two or the three of them. But I'll give you an example. When I hurt my foot, you know, I injured my foot from overuse. Yeah. And In the very beginning, I was just like, well, I hadn't been running that much distance lately. Let me just keep doing it. It'll work itself out. And it actually got worse. It got really bad, um, to which I believe I had plantar fasciitis and a heel spur. And I wasn't sure it was both because I said, I thought, you know, damn, that's pretty uncommon. It would be both. But then through experiencing the symptoms, I realized that it was indeed both. And now the fasciitis is gone, um, but the heel spur is still there. Um, and I have a bit of an ankle issue from adjusting the way I can yeah,
1: of Yeah, because you were favoring that foot on all those runs.
0: Exactly. But I was explaining this to people and they said, well, you really need to see a doctor. And I said, well, the treatment, the treatment for this is you spend four to six months off of it without running or you get surgery and you're forced to then, and the, the, then the follow-up is spend four to six months off of it. And then it's very likely to come back because yep. really a whisper, is my understanding is a chipped bone and just like if you have a chip in a glass, you're likely, you know, that glass is more likely to chip than the rest of them. So they're going to remove this, this piece of bone in my heel. And it, the same thing could happen again, but I still have to take four to six months off. So, yep. but, but everybody just kept yelling at me, well, you need to go to a doctor. You need to go to a doctor. You need-.
1: Why? They're going to tell me to do exactly what I'm doing otherwise.
0: But James, I'm not a doctor. No. <laughs> but that was so the the answer that i keep getting when you know when i when i give somebody some type of information and i'm like no no trust me that's what it is like no no, no. but 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 you know you're not so and so you know you're not a, a physicist or something you know yeah but
1: it, i have the exact same response like so i've got a really bad ankle and from time to time i'll roll it and i won't be able to walk for a couple of days and people will say like oh like that ankle looks really bad you should go to a doctor and i was like I know exactly what this is. If I go to a doctor, he's gonna say, Elevate it, put some ice on it, and like don't walk on it. Which exactly. is
0: solution for probably four of the five potential problems that could be any. Right.
1: The only thing that would be different is if I actually broke it, but then I would know because like I've injured it enough that I know the difference between a sprain and a break.
0: But no, you don't. James, you're not a doctor. Oh, okay. But that's – so, like, just when it comes to, like, fixing cars and shit, like, I understand I'm not a mechanic. But there's certain basic shit I can do. And there's certain times I say, you know what? This is above my pay grade, which is free. I I wash my hands of this issue. I yeah. will put it somewhere.
1: But, I like, that's it. one of those ones where, like, attempt to find the solution yourself. And then once you realize I'm above my skis on this one, then – then you go and you, you find a professional, like when I rebuilt my computer this spring, mm-hmm. I, I know how to build a computer. I assemble all the parts and something went wrong with it. And like, I spent a lot of time trying to fix it and I couldn't fix it. I said, you know what? Screw it. I got to bring it to a shop. And it turned out that the problem was one of the parts that I had was bad. And for, for the tools that I had, I had no way to be able to tell the difference between a bad part, throwing an error versus an installation error that I screwed up it could have been either one I didn't have the tools to diagnose it so oh, cool. when I brought it to the shop they said no you put it together fine this part's bad yeah, you're gonna need to replace I
0: had it had an alternate $200 part which you weren't gonna buy two of just so you could play around and pull one
1: right out. but they had the tools to test it and they're just like yeah that particular part's bad you just need to buy a new one and you'll be fine and so I, I paid the money to the shop because they had the ability to diagnose something that I didn't have myself
0: sure but you also didn't hire the shop to build your computer
1: no i I, I tried to build it myself and then when some the people thing, would look at that
0: situation and say well of course there was an issue James you're not a computer technician yeah Why but would
1: you do it to do I've this? built them before and every time I've built them before it went fine it was this particular time like one part was old and had worn out and I had no way of knowing it
0: yeah it's just it's a critical thinking it's a critical thinking game that that is a lot is over a lot of people's heads and i think critical thinking really needs to be involved when it comes to deciding what matters you know well yeah
1: um that that just kind of comes back to the my analysis of what do you spend your time doing and like Take the time some, time some week and just take like make a rough sketch of how many hours you put to to various activities and then look at that and see okay, this is what this is this is what I am as a person this week. Is I spent this amount of time at work I spent this amount of time hanging out with friends I spent this amount of time hanging out with my boyfriend or girlfriend I, I did these kinder charitable actions. I spent this much time by myself watching TV or video games or whatever, well, this and add what all that up, and that's who you are. But this is
0: why I don't worry that much. You know, I'm, I, I I, bear a pretty high stress load. I think, but James, um, check the chat. I bear a pretty high stress load, but I don't worry about a lot of stuff because I realize that unless I'm taking action, it's not worth the, the you know. The brain energy Um, you you see where i'm going with that like uh,
1: well that's you prioritizing the things that matter to you
0: well sometimes when you're worried about something there's no action you can take to um to fix it you know there's no actions that you can do that are going to have any impact on the outcome of what you might be worried about so spending the brain space and the mental capacity thinking about it all the time isn't
1: getting you any yeah, it would be like if you buy a lotto ticket and then for the next week you worry about whether or not you're going to win that's wasted energy because as soon as you spent the money and you bought the lotto ticket your control over whether you win is out of your hands. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I tell people all the time when people are complaining to me about issues or I'm like what actions can you take. And if they say nothing I said then there's nothing then stop worrying about it like. If you're worried about the negative consequences of something that is out of your control, then the only actions you can take are going to be to mitigate whatever the fallout is. So there's something you can do to help eliminate your worry, is work towards making whatever situation comes out of this event better.
0: Let me, let me ask you, do you think there's a difference between common sense and critical thinking? Yes. And...
1: Common sense is informed by experience. Whereas
0: both, both are important. I'm not, I'm not saying one's better than the other. i yeah, Common sense
1: is, common is, is really situationally dependent. And so if you have someone who's never been in a situation before, then common sense might not be able to get them through it. Because if you think about it culturally and you've been to a number of different places Like an expected action in New York city is different than an expected action in South Carolina versus the DR versus Western Europe versus, I don't know, Japan. So what, what you have for common sense in New York city might not work for you in a foreign country of a similar situation is going to have different outcomes because cultural expectations are different. So common sense is going to be informed by experience. Okay. And some people are better at being able to draw conclusions from experience to be able to inform their future common sense. So that's where, that's where critical thinking comes in, is being able to connect some kind of cause and effect and be able to figure out what needs to be done differently or what needs to be done to achieve that same result. Critical thinking is going to be the ability to assess a situation that you haven't necessarily seen before and derive some useful information from it. And be able to inform your actions on essentially new information and that's where common sense and critical thinking are related is because if you have common sense, then sometimes you can use that as to act as a shortcut for what the work that critical thinking would have to do. But critical thinking is going to be allowing you to react to any
0: event, but it's gonna be slower. Very, very well said, very well said, I think. um, If you lack critical thinking uh can you think critically if you lack common sense yes yeah i mean you can but you're not going to get very you're not going to get very far
1: no you can you can think critically about anything think about think about the uh the classic um the the classic stereotype of like the I don't know, like the, the, the something scientists where like, they're super smart or whatever, but they lack common sense. Their critical thinking skills may be amazing where they can look at some kind of problem or whatever and derive a complicated solution from it. But their common sense in terms of how they deal with day to day
0: situations might be really poor. And we that's because not gonna get very far. A lot of these people are not going to get very far in life. They may get a great job, but they may l- lack in the relationship department. Well, right. You know, somebody might have great common sense great street smarts be be great in the relationship department, but not be able to get a job.
1: You know that actually makes me think of my time when I was a substitute teacher, so I spent a lot of time in the special education department. um, And I taught. The, the most time I spent was in what was called the resource room, which would be like middle to high functioning special education where maybe a kid has a, re- a weakness specifically in reading or specifically in math. So they're good in a lot of other specs, but they've got this one weakness. So they would come to this classroom and get special attention on whatever area they needed to focus on. And so some of the kids were higher achieving than others. But what I noticed was that even on the kids that I would classify as relatively low IQ, Um, one thing that I noticed was that they were really, really good at picking up social cues. And I think that was something that because they weren't good at critical thinking and being able to make the kind of higher level inferences of new information means this, they learned how to pick up on how smarter people were able to react to a situation and they were able to read the room and figure out how they were supposed to react. So social cues... like that I would miss because I wouldn't pay attention to them because I would rely on my critical thinking. Mm -hmm. These kids would pick up on immediately.
0: and That's why your sense of smell is better when you're, you know, supposedly when you're blind or your sense of hearing is better when you're blind or mm -hmm. something like that is because you're, you're more reliant on others on some than others. Um, and, And the same goes when it comes to critical thinking, if you're blessed in both departments, great. Some people have great vision and great sense of smell and great sense of hearing. So that's, you know, yeah,
1: some, some people, people are, are extremely smart, very good with critical thinking and also have tremendous common
0: sense. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's very much out there, but yeah, you're, you're, that's I, rare, but they, they're not, um, you can have both. You can have one, you can have the other one may not be better than the other one may, depending on, you know, I would
1: say that there's a correlation between the two, like the higher your critical thinking skills are, the more likely you are to have common sense, but it probably you get to a certain point where if your critical thinking skills get too high, then you start applying hyper logical solutions to everyday problems that common sense, a lot of a lot of times the way we react to things is not in the most logical way, but common sense says, yeah, this is what we do. So you get to a certain point where if your critical skills, the critical thinking skills are too high and too developed, and that's all you rely on, then you start missing the social cues that common sense picks up on. I, I agree.
0: I agree. So look, uh, common sense would say we should wrap up pretty soon before we continue to drink. I'm trying to get to the gym tonight. I want to open this up. If anybody has any questions on live, uh, I'm going to read through some comments right now. We'll hit some hit a question or two, and um, I will. I'll, and then I think we'll wrap up just after that. So if you guys have questions, let me know. Or we're about to wrap up. So did some critical thinking and functioning in society. Uh, being good at one doesn't make you good at the other. And a lot of times, a reaction to things is emotionally based, independent from common sense. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people react emotionally. Um, versus using critical thinking or common sense, but that's that's the case of somebody's somebody's history. What's going on at TikTok? It, we got low interaction right now on TikTok. So I'm curious I'm curious what's going on there.
1: Yeah, you put my video up and all
0: of a sudden people lose interest. Oh, who knows, who knows? Um I think I I really believe it's it's the format that we're using right now where we're kind of doing a screen record, but not an actual screen record. Let's see. Uh, We got some comments about uh, about beer, Heineken being preferred over the Bud Light. When Raj was here, we were drinking Heineken, and we were trialing Heineken Zero. I'm not a fan of Heineken. I'm not a big fan of Heineken either. Um, But the Zero was zero alcohol. So what's the point? Andres got a, a, a pack of Heineken. He opened it up, started pulling some out. And they said zero on it. So he brought it back to the place. like, what the fuck is this? And he goes, oh, you get four bonus cams of Heineken Zero you on top of your 18-pack. So he Oh, great. So
1: I can get drunk. I can get not drunk with more of them.
0: <laughs> uh, but like, I tried to make it to the gym last night. And, and I got there at 8.30 only to find out they closed at 9. Um, which was probably ultimately perfect because – I've been so sore. I've barely been able to move since last week. Um, I hit the gym on Friday and Saturday, and then I, I could barely move because I have not worked out. I haven't lifted real, real weight. I have some dumbbells at home. I can do some pushups, but I haven't lifted any real mass um, since uh, the gyms before they close. So um, we're going to learn, we're going to, we may do live streaming, YouTube. Jen, we we got to comment about doing live streaming on YouTube.
1: What and about Twitch? We could also look at
0: Twitch. We could also do Reddit. The, the Reddit stream would be pretty. Oh, cool.
1: Reddit live. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so, but, uh, but look guys, I'm going to wrap up. Uh, yes, Lisa. I'm also very happy. The gyms are now open. I'm going to hit the gym. I don't know what you guys are doing for the rest of your night. If you're not hitting the gym, I think you all should crack open a drink. Enjoy. Watch some past episodes of SIP Talk on YouTube. You should subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Spotify. Anywhere you can find an audio podcast, we are there. I spend a lot of time editing the podcast so that you don't hear me say fuck so much. Or at least in the case of the last podcast. Um, and so that it's reasonably coherent because we are drinking throughout the show, which you should be drinking throughout the show too, as it's, uh, it's seven 7.30 on a, a weekday. Nothing wrong with that. Um, All right. On that note, James, I'll uh, follow up with you soon. If you guys are watching, I appreciate you joining. Make sure you subscribe to all of our channels. Have a good night, everybody.
1: Sounds good. I'll see you on Tuesday. All right. See ya.
0: For those of you who've made it this far, I appreciate you joining us for the ride. I'm hoping that you joined us with a drink. If you did, congrats. Hopefully you're sober enough to hit the like button and to share to rate this podcast and if you feel so inclined leave some comments i love you guys thank you for joining see you soon